Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. From country to rock and bluegrass to metal, the Tri-States have seen a wide variety of concerts throughout the last 70 years. Coming up, we jump into the mosh pit and talk concerts in Q-Town with the one and only Doc Holliday. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Back here on Wild Quincy. Travis, I've been looking ever since our Edna Brown episode for some good moonshine. I haven't been able to find any yet. I don't know about, how about you? Well, if it doesn't make you blind, I, I don't think it's worth its weight. You know, you, you got to have some kind of immediate health ramification to be good moonshine, <laughs> I believe. Hey, by the way, uh, if you're not a Patreon member, we had our last Patreon episode, and uh, I know that our wild things caught what the song was. I did not know, Travis, that there is a moonshine called Mountain Dew. Yeah, I believe that's the initial uh, namesake of the drink of of being in the hills, and there was like this whole hillbilly persona for Mountain Dew. So that makes sense. You know, I think I've heard that at one point, but I've, I've since forgotten until you brought that up yeah i i found it so that we always like play a song right before and right at the end of our episode so if you're not a patreon member make sure to check that out because it's a toe tapper it's, it's a, a good song tapper. bluegrass actually, yeah i'm adding it to the my mp3 player travis it's there you good. go it's that made good. the grade i think people discount i don't want to get off subject i think people discount bluegrass too much i love me some bluegrass bluegrass is good i like it's great. it yeah yeah it's, it it's hillbilly jazz yeah, hillbilly jazz. It is. Yeah, oh, it is. wow, that was out of left field. Sorry about that. Uh, we uh, don't have a lot to tell you about, but we have a great episode coming up in that we're going to be talking to Doc Holliday from The Eagle and from other radio stations throughout the history of the Q-Town area. We'll be talking with him in just a few minutes. But Travis, you know what we have to do, right? I think we need to do the question of the day. You would be correct. What do you got for me? This one's a, this one's, I don't know. We'll see. Could go either way. Okay. So here's the question. 23 townships. That's how many there are in Adams County. Yes. Out of the following five, which one is not a township? Oh, okay. So here's your, I don't know my townships very well. So, okay. Alphabetical order is the list. So we got number one, Ellington. Number two, Gilmer. Number three, Houston. Number four, McKee. Or number five, Riverside. That is your mm. question of the day. So again, the question is, 23 townships are in Adams County. Out of the following five, which one is not a township? Is it Ellington, Gilmer, Houston, McPhee, or Riverside? That's going to be a tough one, I can I tell know. you right now. <laughs> we'll see We'll see what happens. I'll, I'll ruminate on that till the end of the episode. All right. Well, while we ruminate about that, let's move on and talk about concerts in the Quincy area. And we're going to be doing that with Doc Holliday coming up next here on Wild Quincy. <laughs> what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. He goes on to explain that before the mall was built, there were shopping centers there. It was a shopping center that was was just a line of business. Yeah. And literally, I did not know this, Travis, is that where like the runway is for the mall today was like the front of the drive for all these shopping centers. 
years. Now, I could be wrong, Chris, but when they built them all, I think they just added a second oh, half. Oh, dude, take a look at the back yeah. side of it. That's why yeah. all the buildings are different sizes. Our After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. Welcome back to Wild Quincy. And we are joined today by none other than, I'm going to say it, legendary. Legendary broadcaster. I can say that. Doc Holiday is with us. And Doc, welcome to Wild Quincy. Thanks. Thanks, Chris and Travis. I'm, I'm recording this so my wife can hear the word legendary said with my name. That will be totally new to her. I hope she, so she's not going to laugh at you or anything, is she? Oh, yeah. She, she can give you the real okay. story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll save that for off air, as they say in the business. Yeah. <laughs> So we are talking today about concerts in the Quincy era, but before we get into that, we're going to have to give a little bit of a background on Doc, and we were talking before the show started here about your history. So give us the uh, the nickel tour, if you will, of how you got into radio and how you've gotten gone somewhere and then came back. Yeah, so the nickel tour, I'll probably owe you four cents when this is done. <laughs> um, but I start, I actually started, uh, I never meant to become a radio person. I'm totally an introvert. I was going to Hannibal high school, thought I was going to be a journalist. Thought I was going to be a photographer. And, uh, the, my junior class had a, uh, a mass media class had a, had a day at the radio station every year that you had to go to. And so long story short is you could either go into sales management or be on the air. And I had no interest in the others. So I'm like, fine, I'll go on the air. And um, so I ended up going solo, as it turns out. I was supposed to be, the students were supposed to go two at a time. I ended up, the guy that was supposed to go with me ended up chickening out. So I went solo with Ed Clay on KGRC and ended up having the time of my life. And so a few weeks after that happened, I got my, my t- mass media teacher found me in the Hannibal High School lunchroom. She's like, you're not going to believe this, but the radio station wants you to come work for them for real. Wow. And so uh, my senior year in high school was spent, uh, I would work all night from 10 o'clock at night till seven in the morning, uh, go to school, sometimes fall asleep in yeah, class. Yeah, how'd that affect the grades? And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't affect them much because they weren't great to start okay, with. Well. Um, but so uh, it didn't no, disrupt I would, I did anything. That, uh, <laughs> they didn't disrupt anything, no. Um, so yeah, and so fast forward to, um, to 1987 and... Um, you know, I was on KGRC for a few years, mainly doing weekend and overnight stuff, and didn't really get much opportunity to do anything during the daytime. And um, eventually, I came in contact in 1987 with uh, your friend and mine, Rich Kane. We had a mutual friend, and uh, 99Q, which was the number one station at the time, had an opening in the afternoons. And so I got to know Rich, and uh, he's the guy that actually gave me the doc nickname the summer of 1987, I was with them for like three years. And, wow. and the funny thing about radio is it kind of turns you into a vagabond. 
Um, you, 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 back in those days, you know, you were always looking for a bigger market to go to, to improve your hmm. career. And my journey ended up taking me West. I was, I worked in Colorado and Idaho and Wyoming for years and years and years. I guess the history here in the tri-states, I was on uh, Y101 and Kick FM in the nineties during the heyday of some of the big, you know, the Brad Paisley's and right. Kenny Chesney's and but anyway, in the 2000s, I ended up going west for several years, and, I, and prior to coming back, I was in Wyoming, and uh, and finally be able to come home in the, in July of this year to a great radio station too. Uh, the Eagle has been a fun experience, and I, I was telling you, I've been telling you off air uh, before this is that. I, I'm dr- I'm going to a gas station and all of a sudden I hear this Camaro with his windows down blaring the eagle. I'm like, now we're getting somewhere on radio in Quincy. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the funny thing about the eagle, which has been such a throwback to some of the stuff you and I have talked about. Unfortunately, over the years, radio has kind of become a jukebox where, you know, most of the people you hear on the air, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of me here are out of Dallas or New York or Chicago. And the number of local people like us still doing this are, are, are unfortunately becoming less and less. And the Eagle, we really committed to, to going back to, uh, um, to, you know, when you call the radio station, I'm actually there. You yeah, know, yeah. We, sure, we have a lot of technology. We've got apps and we've got Facebook and, and whatnot. But if you call the phone number and if you hear me on the radio, that's my promise is that I'll be there and I'll answer the phone. So it's been a lot of fun. The audience has been amazing. That's incredible. I mean, that seems... Yeah like a rarity these days and maybe it's becoming a kind of like the counterbalance to the counterculture because when, when radio became so centralized, it feels like a lot of that, that local, you know, Chris and I spent summers calling 99 Q, you know, just harassing the DJs being idiots. (laughs) And, but that was so for, I mean, that was part of our growing up and it was having that local connection, which I am so excited to hear that you guys are doing again. And, you know, to some degree, that's just fantastic in my opinion. Yeah, it's been the response has been I, I've, I've learned how nostalgic people are like the company that I, I work for has set expectations about what they thought was going to happen. And what actually happened was about seven or eight times what they had hoped for. That's great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the response has been crazy. And, and it all goes back to the audience. You know, the, the people are just the best. You take care of them and they'll always be loyalty in this area. And uh, we it just it's it's blown me away. I've honestly become a little jaded, but uh, people here have blown me away with how how the you know how live the eagle has become. What a great segue! Thanks, Doc. Uh, <laughs> speaking of live, we got to talk today about concerts, and you know when we got started on this, it was it was odd because I you never really think of concerts in the Quincy area, but once you really start digging into it, then you start saying, "Holy cow, we have some." pretty big hitters in in, in, in the odd spots too. <laughs> not not going to Oakley Lindsay Center, even though we do have had some in recent years. But you have other locations that um, had some concerts. And Travis, I, what we're going to do here, we're going to talk about some of the oldies. And I know that yeah. you've been doing a little bit of research. How far are we going back? Well, it's funny, Chris. I just in the last few days, I thought, okay, I'm going to hit the newspaper archives. I'm I'm going to type in the magical keyword that will bring up this amazing collection of <laughs> articles, and I got diddly squat, man. I got nothing. <laughs> so on a whim, I went to the Facebook group. If you grew up in Quincy, Illinois, it's a very active group, and I knew that if I threw out this random question, I was bound to get some ideas. 
And boy, did I ever. It's still going. There's still people adding stuff to it. I mean, this goes back to, uh, well, well, we'll dive into the list here, but major props to everyone who's a member of that group. I mean, it was so cool to hear, hear all these stories, not just of so-and-so played here, but I was actually the operator of the phone when he made a long-distance call locally, and I got to talk <laughs> to him for a second. Or, you know, people are posting photos of Merle Haggard's autograph. So it, it's quite a trip. So this will only, you know, touch the surface of those fun kind of reminiscing uh stories of you know people growing up the formative years but yeah let's get into this list here uh we're gonna start kind of in the 60s we're gonna go all over the place i don't have a chronological order but a bit a big one at the i guess at the time it was maybe the quincy it says the quincy junior high auditorium i always get confused on if it's actually the senior high at the time but i think it's basically what became uh uh morrison hall uh, i guess is what yeah, they morrison call it these theater days. yeah yeah there you go and that was on November 12, 1967. Over 1,600 teenagers attended and thoroughly enjoyed hits like Mercy, Mercy, Mercy by, uh, by the Buckinghams. They were a big group in, this, the, you know, in the 60s. Mercy, Mercy, Mercy was a big hit for them. I think it was actually covered maybe by uh, a few uh, like jazz. I think Booker, Booker T and the MGs might have covered that too. But uh, it was quite a show. There's a photo in the paper, and they got the 60s duds that looks like. Beatle dress-up days. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, and from there, we're going to jump ahead a little bit, switch genres completely. It's 1973, the junior high school again, the auditorium, was site to Roy Clark, of all people, Ooh. of Hee Haw fame. Put on quite a show. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the old Hee Haw oh, yeah. days. I recently stumbled across on Amazon Prime, I think, old Hee Haw episodes. So nice. you have Roy, Roy Rogers and Buck Owens laying it down. And Roy was like a comedian. I mean, it was probably a heck of a show. We're going to jump ahead here into the late 70s. And the group Ozark Mountain Daredevils performed at Quincy College. Their big hit. I had to do a little looking because a lot of these names didn't strike me from band standpoints. There's so many one-hit wonders. So you'll remember the Jackie Blue song. Jackie Blue, that was them, <laughs> nice. and uh, and and they nailed it. I think Pure Prairie League also played in the same show, which their big song was uh, "Amy" back in the day, which you would know in a heartbeat. If and it probably comes on. Does it? We're starting to get into the rotations of the Eagle here a little bit in the classic. You're, you're close. You're, you're close. We do occasionally uh, venture back there. But it's yeah, going pretty I, far back. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sing back. like you did, uh, Travis, because you set the bar too high. But yeah, like Amy, oh. what you're going to do? You know, that's. Well, I, uh, it's funny. I actually cover that when I, I play guitar and sing, and Amy's one of the songs I still cover. Wow. Um, wow. So it was it was crazy. So we'll jump ahead. Actually, we're going to kick it back here to the '60s. The English group Peter and Gordon played again at the Quincy College, and uh, they had this song called A World Without Love. You'd know it in a heartbeat. And uh, they were very, they, it was in the 60s, but they were kind of like, they looked kind of like the nerdy Beatles, um, like the, the book smart cousins. And actually, I believe that they were discovered by the Beatles in England at a club one night. So that's how they got their start. So they had a heck of a show here in Quincy. And what was so interesting to me is, a lot of these musical acts that came through Quincy, it wasn't like they were, you know, washed up, you know, doing like tributes to themselves. But this was incredible. Like these were people on the charts. And this hmm. is just scratching the surface. Before we keep going here, I want to talk about that for a second. Why do you think we were able to get those headliners back in, you know, the day? Is it the network of promoters and how that worked? And it wasn't one big 
corporate conglomerate at that point? What do you think, Doc? I can tell you, I, I actually have been uh, friends with uh, Mad Dog Manus, who, who, who's done a zillion shows in this area over the years. And so the, the one reason we benefit is that the Quincy Hannibal area, we're right in between, in between St. Louis, Chicago and Kansas City. So what a lot of these promoters back in those days would do is they would wait for a major act for an open date between their Chicago and Kansas city shows. And then, so they can go to the, the band management and say, Hey, uh, if you'd like to fill a date, um, we're right along the way. And so a lot of times you get an artist, uh, that would be willing to do a show, maybe not charge, you know, quite as much cause they're on the way anyway. And so you almost get a, um, a discount show. But as you said, the timing ends up sometimes being incredible where you've got an artist that just has a number one hit that is now playing your town. It's incredible. Does that still happen today? Is that still a thing in today's world? It does. Yeah. Um, In fact, even more so today because of the financial situation with, you know, with entertainment and we're still, you know, in in the middle of this pandemic. And so um, it's even more, some of the smaller venues, they, they just really have to rely on, in fact, a lot of times they won't be able to afford the headliner, but they'll look for a band that's opening for a headliner that happens to be, you know, have an open date where they'd be willing to play your town. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. We talk about number one hits and, and one of the biggest of the pig back in the 60s and 70s was the Beach Boys. They were apparently here in town several. I saw a few dates thrown around in the late 60s, and the one I have in front of me here was November 8th, 1973, again at the Quincy College, you know, the, the Quincy College Memorial Gym. There was a lot of amazing shows, it sounds like, that happened there in the, the college gym. And uh, yeah, it was one night only. Tickets were $5 a door, uh, or $5 a person, five fifty at the door. One show only. Um the crazy, beach, crazy. Well, stop second. Yeah, yeah. Five fifty for a Beach Boys concert. I, exactly. <laughs> I don't think that's happening in today's world. Was a long time ago, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we'll keep rocking. And, and Doc, I, I know this was a little early for for your sporting days of, of checking out <laughs> concerts, but we're gonna get into some late seventies, early you know eighties era here. And and stop me if you were like, oh, I was there and it was crazy. Yeah. Blue Oyster Cult. Maybe this might ring a bell. They were they played at the the Forum, which was downtown in Quincy, kind of where O'Griffs used to be in that same line there. And I think it was in the the late seventies or the eighties. They were also at Quincy College, um, and of course, you know, Don't Fear the Reaper, one of their biggest hits. More cowbell, right? Godzilla, right. You know it. Yes, <laughs> oh, Godzilla. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I forgot about Andy Godzilla. <laughs> Jumping ahead, uh, in 88, 1988, that'd be April 28, 1988, Lita Ford came to town, and she played at the Casino Star. Do I have stories to tell you about that, Travis? Yeah, what, what do you got, man? So Lita Ford and uh, Lillian Axe opened up that show. This was, as you said, 1988, and, yeah. um, and that was when 99Q was in the WCU building. And so I was a bit of a metalhead. So I was familiar with not only Lita, but also Lillian Axe. And so when uh, when Mad Dog Manus was bringing the show in, I'm like, hey, can you send uh, Lillian Axe up too? And he's like, really? You want Lillian Axe? I'm like, yeah, because Robin Crosby of Rat produced them. Oh, wow. And so <laughs> we had this stream of people, imagine this in the WCU building, wearing leather <laughs> on the elevator. Because <laughs> uh, the bands were, you know, they, they, Lita brought her bass player, and um, the, Stevie Blaze and Ron Taylor of Lillian X came up. And so we totally broke format 
I threw Lillian Axe's CD on. Uh, Dream of a Lifetime was their song in 88 they, they threw out. Um, and Lita Ford, that was that was when Kiss Me Deadly was going crazy. Yeah, we're just going to throw that, that big song out. Yeah, so I had Lita and her bass player in our studios, and uh, – and I made the mistake of asking her on the and this is of course was completely live. This, this was there was there was no pre recording back. Then. So I asked Lita stupidly how she stayed in such great shape on the road. And, oh no! And she, and she said, "I do push ups in the back of my bus." And no. so <laughs> I think I, I Richard Kane can probably speak to this because I know he was listening to the interview in his office. He had to probably. They probably had to, you know, get sedatives out to uh, to get our uh, managers calmed down. But yeah, they were. Uh, and then Lita, the kind of crazy thing about Lita, and I know we'll talk about this later, but she came back to the area for the the infamous Hannibal Riverfront shows just a couple months after that casino show. Oh, is that wow. right? Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, we're doing a, a big one one eighty off coming off Lita Ford, and we're going to go back to nineteen sixty seven at the Casino Lanes Starlight Terrace. It's it's so funny to see the evolution of what they called that place. It's <laughs> it's a grab bag of those four words in a different conglomeration. But uh, man, swinging place back in the sixties. We're actually going to talk about the whole history of that place on a future episode of Wild Quincy. At any rate, Merle Haggard and the Strangers, featuring Bonnie Owens, played there. And uh, tickets are $3, so, you know, even better deals oh. in the 60s, it seems like. <laughs> I believe Merle Haggard came good. through a couple times over his career. There's lore, this isn't on my list, but there's lore that Hank Williams, the original, actually came through Quincy hmm. and played at the, uh, the, I guess, the junior high or whatever you want to call it. I know there's a picture somewhere I've stumbled across of him standing with a cowboy hat and a big kind of duster coat in front of junior high, so that's... Some uh, some country royalty right there, for sure. Yeah. Uh, back in the 70s, 1973, Jim Croce was in town, and he was playing in the uh, QU Gym on Monday. And then uh, you might remember, uh, let's see, December 14th and December 17th. I actually don't have the date in front of me on this one. But Rush and Baby played, I believe, at Turner Hall. It looks like I'm guessing this was maybe in the seven, late 70s. And and I got to bring these guys up because they weren't a national act, but they were local legends. And I don't know a whole lot about them personally, but the the Ilmo Smokehouse was just a apparently a barn burner of a local band. Doc, do you know anything about Ilmo Smokehouse? So I'm not sure if they eventually became just Smokehouse. Uh, I think they did. That yeah. rings a bell. They and I think Black Tie. Uh, were some of the bigger local bands back in the late seventies, early eighties, as I remember. Right, I, I know so many, so many references to Ilmo Smokehouse's opening acts for all these shows, and then just Smokehouse, like, like you said. So we have another another show. I'm guessing was in the, the late seventies. Here was a Cheap Trick played Turner Hall on December Tuesday, December thirty first, and uh, this looks like. That was actually early yeah, 80s. 77. Was it 77? Uh, yeah. Really? Well, it says it says the biggest rock bands of the 77, so it might have been late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, I was um, going to say that Cheap yeah. Trick show was the first show I ever went to. Is really? it? What do, you, what do you remember about Cheap Trick? Oh, I remember a lot of things about that show. Um, it was, uh, in fact, we did an article on about the, on the Eagle. I think it was 81. <clears throat> so um, I, I was 16 at the time. And the only reason my parents agreed to let me go to the show is my cousin actually was my my chaperone. <laughs> so I was 16 years old, and I'll never forget my cousin because I noticed that Turner Hall was pretty smoky 
And I'm like, yeah. man, I didn't realize they they uh, they had so much so many cigarettes in here. My cousin's like, yeah, no, that's not it's not regular cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> it's tobacco. That's not tobacco. This is a there. special kind. And so the other thing I remember is that um, Rick Nielsen, of course, had all the crazy guitars. I was just going to ask if he had like the six neck monstrosity. That he, he had like fifteen for. guitars at the side of the stage. And um, they were just getting ready to release a new album a few months after they were here. And this was one of the first places they ever played the song, If You Want My Love, You Got It. Okay. Wow. Was this pre or post uh, Live at Budokan? That was after Budokan, yeah. Exactly. Budokan had already been gotcha. huge, and they were getting ready to get into their you know, a little bit more popular-oriented 80s stuff. Hey, I gotcha. do wonder, is it possible that Cheap Trick was here more than once? Oh, bit, Absolutely. They're okay. Chicago. They're 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 uh, an Illinois yeah. band, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I I almost think that you guys might both be right on those dates. I'm not sure. Is, I, you know, I think I did come around a little bit in my research that I did. That I thought I did see them in the late '70s, but then I saw them again in the '80s. So. I think you're right, Chris. Yeah, there yeah. was a few different dates referenced in the different uh, Facebook posts, so I think you're probably right. And it would have yeah. been a quick a quick you know trip down to Quincy. So um, real quick, before yeah. you jump into the next one, you've talked about Casino Starlight. You've talked about Turner Hall. It's amazing that those things, those places back in the day were such highlighted locations. And if you think about in today's world, I mean, you go back 20 years, you got Backwaters, which was actually a pretty cool venue. Right. Uh, but do we? is there a venue like that today that, that, that offers what Turner Hall and Casino and Backwaters had back in the day? You know, I haven't heard of much recently, and of course, I just I, I just landed back in the area, you know, in July, so I'm still kind of getting readjusted to who's doing what. But no, you're right. Def Leppard was at you know Quincy College around the Cheap Trick time in the early '80s. Blackfoot, I think, was another one. Sammy Hagar came to town. But as far as the clubs go, yeah, no, the casino was really unique because they brought a lot of shows in. Uh, Backwaters tried to do some really unique things in the early 2000s. Yeah, and uh, but I, I have I you know. And I don't know the reason why. I, I, I'm not sure if it's just the cost of entertainment has gone up so much, or if there's just so much risk involved, and and you've got a lot yeah. of these guys that are just trying to, you know, to 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 survive one day to the next. I'm not sure the reason why, but that's a very good point. We we kind of lack that now. It seems like you can go to the Oakley Lindsay Center, but I mean, even and I love the Oakley Lindsay Center, but I, I I sometimes I've never been to a concert there, but I've always wondered how the acoustics actually sound when you're putting a big you know, band in, in that big arena area. So I don't know, Travis, you, have you been to one? Uh, you know, I seem to remember, uh, one of their, one of their first things they had down there, I think was actually a comedian, Rodney Carrington, I think. And this mm-hmm. would have been actually when I had scored tickets to County market where I worked. And so, uh, I think we had like front row center and it was pretty rough. They spent a lot of money down there afterwards, after like the first year or two being open, really working on sound, you know, mm. sound design and i think it's yeah. come a long way i haven't been to a show you know down there or, let's face it i haven't been out on a friday night and you know later than 10 o'clock since kids <laughs> but uh yeah i i think it's definitely improved from what i hear but you know i'm no expert i will tell you and i'm going to give this as a plug for a company that i kind of work for uh, part-time but uh I, dot foods does their annual christmas party at the oakley Lindsay center and every other year they do a big concert there and so they're they're one of those companies that uh they really go all out and i think they've had you know and i'm sure you're gonna talk about no, me, i but, actually uh, don't have them on my list give us oh, a rundown of you know of the only ones i do actually the only one i can remember is um is uh oh boy i can't remember her name now um um Oh my gosh, uh, rock 
artist, female, 80s, 90s. I know Joan that doesn't Jett? help at all. There it is. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Good job, I can name Todd. that tune. And I can name that dot artist in one note. <laughs> yeah i know she's been there they've had just a, a bunch of different ones and it seems i think this is another year and i haven't seen it yet but and maybe with covid they might not be doing it again this year but um yeah they they always have a big concert coming every year to, to oakley Lindsay center and it, it's it's there's tons of people i mean they'll fill it to capacity because dot foods is a huge business but um yeah so i mean and that's kind of cool that you see a big company like that bring in a talent just for their their staff and i'm sure that happens in other situations too but uh there's been other artists that have been in the the Lindsay center though right yeah um thinking well there was the uh so 96 you talk about travis mentioned the timing of artists coming to town uh, this was during Kick's heyday, and I, I can almost tell you the exact date because it was Game Seven of the Cardinals Braves 1996 series. Because I oh, had wow. a I had a running bet with John Barry, who's an Atlanta guy. I mistakenly bet him. Uh, I can't even remember what exactly I lost. Um, probably had to wear a dress for a week or something. Who knows? <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was the night of Game Seven of the Cardinals when they got to, when they had a three one lead on the Braves, ended up losing in seven games. Mm. But the timing that Travis mentioned really poignant because John Barry had Paul Brandt, who was a Canadian guy, opening up for him, and so I'm sure that they probably signed you know Paul on like you know months before he had anything out here in the states. Well, as it turns out, his song "I Do" became a, a blockbuster number one. And it we had hit number one the week that they landed here in Quincy. And so mm. we had this huge turnout at the Oakley Lindsay Center for John Barry. John Barry brought his Harley with him on his bus. So he was riding around Quincy on his Harley. Wow. And I was actually at, at the the I remember being in the Oakley Lindsay and they, there were uh there were people waiting for autographs because you know this is the guy with the number one song in the country. And little backstory. Nobody except me and Paul Brandt and his manager know this, but one of his handlers was there with Paul Brandt and Paul was looking at the people outside and his manager said, hey, you know, you're not contracted to to go sign autographs. So don't worry about this. And Paul Brandt said, you got to be kidding me. These people are the reason I'm number one. He walked through the door, totally ignored his record company people and went out and signed autographs for everybody in the vestibule of the Oakley Lindsay Center. And wow, I thought, what fantastic. a great guy. But yeah, that was one of the shows. Uh, Tracy Lawrence and Rick Trevino came, I think, in 97 or 98. That was during Kick's heyday. And they, they, they had a lot of shows uh, of that caliber that came through Quincy. I think Gretchen Wilson, maybe Big and Rich, might have also wow. been. Yeah, I think through. you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I think Big and Rich may have been another Dot Foods one, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Been. I think you're right, Chris. And Travis, I don't, do you have any others on your list? I, there's some more questions I got here. Yeah. Go uh, well, well, one to piggyback off the, the OLC was I remember the, the big first show that I remember coming there. I didn't go to it, but uh, Destiny's Child. This is the pre really? pre Beyonce, be, you know, Queen B, right? Before she started to uh, you know, top forty royalty. Yeah, it was uh, Destiny's Child. Uh, Chris, I think we would have been in high school or just before, so it would have been the the yeah. late nineties, I think. And that was a big deal. I remember that being really something um, in in the local social circles. I wasn't cool, really, so I didn't go to that. Stuff, <laughs> but, um, no, I didn't either. It was nice. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's do a lightning round. This, frankly, there's so many. I had no idea there were so many. And it's funny because when when Doc was rattling some off, I mean, these are stuff that's not even on my list here. 
But I'll, I'll just go through here. I'm not going to yeah. mess with dates, but we're just going to throw out lightning round. Sean Colvin, uh, pretty relatively recent in, in the kind of top 40, was in town at a place called Positively Front Street. I don't even have a date. A lot of the stuff is just, they were here. I remember them being here. <laughs> uh, Johnny Paycheck um, was here back in the Take 70- this job and shove yeah, it, right? Back in the 70s, and he was at a place called The Bullshed. I don't, I'd love to know more <laughs> about The Bullshed. I don't know what that was. But I got to think there was some broken bottles, maybe. I would love to do the radio commercial wire. for that place. <laughs> uh, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chuck Berry rolled through a couple times. Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. I had to I had to Spotify these guys to uh, to do some IDing, and that was Devil with a Blue Dress on. It was a oh, classic. Yeah. I'm, I'm over here rocking, checking yeah. out, like going back in the day. Canned Heat going up to the country, one of their big ones. They were through town. Bob Seger made it through a band called Captain Beyond, who I wasn't really familiar with, but that echoed on uh, on the Facebook group a little bit. The Shangri Las, hmm. America, Rare Earth. Kingston Trio, Bread, Ike and Tina Turner at Turner Hall. Huh, appropriate. Exactly. And uh, Porter Wagner with Dolly Parton. This is before Dolly kind of went solo. So this would have been, God, 50s probably, maybe 60s. I don't know exactly when, but before she was a solo act that's <laughs> saying yeah. something. Then another power power uh, duet was, uh, uh, let's see, I think it was uh, George Jones and Tammy Wynette, I believe it were. I, I forget, I, there was Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty, I think, were also in town. I get my duos mixed up in the early country days. Uh, another band, The Association, was also in town. And that's that. I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch. But this was just, you know, me rapidly trying to write down and find all these people. So, you know, what else do we got cooking here? What do you you got question-wise, Chris? Well, I I, kind of want to turn to, you know, Doc, and and you've given us the idea of uh, one of the first, well, actually the first concert that you went to. Let's, Let's transition. You go into your radio world. What's the first concert that you did when you were actually employed at a radio station? Oh, boy. That would have been uh, the Hannibal Riverfront days. Um, That would definitely have been the Hannibal Riverfront days because they actually kicked into high gear the summer of 85. And I had been in radio a couple of years. Again, I really wasn't a part of stations that were like 99Q was the presenting station, you know, for those Hannibal Riverfront shows. So once I joined them at 87, I was at every show. Mm. But I know Air Supply, Doc Severinsen, those were two of the, the big opener shows I think Sam and Dave were also there. They were early on. Oh, wow. Survivor, uh, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. In fact, I think Sam and Dave were the first show to play the Hannibal Front Amphitheater for my research in May 31st of 85, come to think of it. Oh, wow. Survivor in 85, the Oak Ridge Boys, Beach Boys, the Monkees, their reunion tour in 86 played Hannibal. Um, oh, wow. 86 also had the outfield with Starship, Fabulous T-Birds, uh, Waylon Jennings, Jesse Coulter, and then... 87 is when the metal shows came to town. Uh, that's when, in fact, that's actually probably where my radio thing begins, Chris, in that uh, Rat and Poison uh, in 87. Where, In fact, I still have people bringing up that July 9th show to me about the Rat Poison is one of the best they've ever been to. Hmm. Ario Speedwagon, Fabulous T-Birds, July of 87, Night Ranger and Great White in August. Uh, a fun show in 88 was Richard Marks and Henry Lee Summer. 
There's a lot of people that talk about Richard Marks and Hannibal. Yeah, he was he. he I, you know, I have to admit, you know, I've, I've not been much much of a um, a Richard Marks, Michael Bolton kind of guy, you know, in my life. Mm-hmm. But um, he's a great songwriter, and I recall Richard being a really nice guy, like no pretense, or whatever. And Henry Henry Lee Summer is just a redneck. He was fun. <laughs> right, right. He was just uh, he was you know mullet and everything, and uh, he was a lot of fun. But yeah, that, those were actually where the radio uh, shows began. Because uh, in fact, I remember when Lita Ford, Ingvae Malmsteen, and Black and Blue uh, played Hannibal in uh, the summer of '88, and Black and Blue, their guitarist Tommy Thayer is now the guitarist for Kiss. And um, I was on the bus. (laughs) There's several memories of that show, you guys, which I think you'll enjoy. So this was, again, a couple of months after Lita had played the casino in Quincy. So Lita Ford comes back and Black and Blue and she are opening for Yngwie Malmsteen. Yngwie is is a notorious ego guy, right? <laughs> I don't know the man, so I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say you know anything bad about him. But Well, he is a listener. So be yeah, if he's a listener, you know what? <laughs> this would, it will make my day if Ingvay wants to buzz you guys up and we'll have a podcast with Ingvay Malmsteen. <laughs> compare egos. It would make our year. Are you so, kidding me? Yeah. So get this. So I'm, I'm backstage with the radio station and they haven't even let the crowd in. And so I'm backstage and I noticed that Lita Ford is walking around kind of in a huff. So come to find out, she was pretty ticked that Ingve didn't give her the proper sound check. So he apparently wanted her just to go out and play. He didn't want her messing with the stage. So she was unhappy and, um, and kind of throwing a little bit of a, you know, fit backstage Um, again, out of the side of the, of the audience and stuff. So it wasn't like she was causing a problem with anybody. And I, I understand she was frustrated and black and blue were the first band out. And I don't know if you guys remember those days, but the Hannibal City Council, I believe, had an ordinance about no profanity. (laughs) And they also had a um, a they eventually imposed a noise limit because of the shows at the riverfront and some people that live downtown that, you know, were being kept up by the shows. So (laughs) all the bands were agreed. They had to they put it in writing that, you know, they would be prosecuted if they use profanity. So. I'm on the bus with uh, Black and Blue, and they are in a panic, thinking they're going to get arrested, because they they had a pre-recorded intro. They had sirens on both sides of the stage, and but their pre-recorded intro they forgot included "Are you ready to go effing crazy?" and they didn't say <laughs> effing, and so they thought the sh- the deputies were coming after them. Oh, wow. uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, and you know what? It, 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 if Ingve is listening, uh, I can actually compliment him. That show, I remember they did not have a very good turnout for that concert. And um, Ingve, I, I, in fact, as I remember, there could have been more than 100 people left by the time the second half of Ingve's set was going. He came back and did an encore, a really long encore for just a handful of people in Hannibal that that, that night. It was I wow. was I thought he really he could have just gotten on the bus. Yeah. And and it, that was it was kind of that was that was fun. So what other ones do you have? I, I there's somebody else I'm missing from the riverfront. Who else is are we missing anybody? So Cheap Trick 38 special, Amy Grant uh was there during her baby baby days or right before oh. the baby baby days. Speaking of that noise ordinance, I think, if I remember right, George Thorogood and the Destroyers played the Hannibal Riverfront in August of 89. 
And I think George went out of his way to break the noise ordinance. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to say, that, just, yeah. that seems that appropriate. Was, he took that as a challenge. Um, 89, we had Tesla, Great White, and Badlands. That was a really great show. Ooh. Oh, wow. Warrant, Firehouse, and Trickster in 91. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was down there. Nelson. Mm, um, sure. and, and this was wild. I don't remember this show, but one of the last shows in the Hanover Riverfront uh, back in the in the glory days was Pantera and Skid Row. Wow! In uh, May of 1992. Now that is metal. <laughs> that is um, that's some pretty intense. I, I can't imagine what uh, Dimebag Daryl and the Pantera guys did to that noise ordinance back then. Oh, jeez! Yeah, yeah, I was just. I mean, I'm trying to think. Of my so, and I wish I would ask her before before I came on today, but. My wife worked at Hannibal Inn as a housekeeper growing up in high, when she was in high school. And some of the different bands stayed at Hannibal Inn, which was the Holiday Inn back then. But one of the the head housekeeper had to take some, one of the band members. I don't remember which one. I, I don't, just don't remember. But he was worried and he wanted to be in a, a discreet vehicle going downtown because he was worried he was going to get mobbed by his fans going from the Holiday Inn to downtown Hannibal. <laughs> so he got in a non-discreet housekeeper's car to drive to get driven down to the riverfront. Wow. Um, and hopefully, I'll, but you know, when we go to Patreon, I'll, I'll figure out who it is. I know it's a big name. I do know that. I, I, it may be in Richard Marks, to be honest with you. Now, Doc, I... You know, we do have some people that have, have, may have heard of the Riverfront stuff, but aren't really familiar with it. Give us an idea real quick. Where was it at exactly? And, and just give us the layout of even where it was at and things like that. So I'm trying to remember, you know, um, as I recall, like if you're driving down Broadway and Hannibal all the way to the river, mm-hmm. uh, it was situated to the right. Like it was down almost literally by the railroad tracks next to the river. In fact, it was so close to the river, I, and I did not see this, but I, I've, I had somebody tell me that Amy Grant, after she played Hannibal, she was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and Jay asked her, what's the worst place you've ever played? Oh, no. And she said Hannibal, because mm. she's kept swallowing bugs. Because, <laughs> you know, at night, you throw the lights up there, oh, and how, how many mosquitoes... Are you going to pull out of the woodwork down there? Was that Nipper Nipper Park? Does Nipper that Park, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right, Travis. <laughs> okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Nipper Park. Yeah, it, it's um, honestly, I thought the acoustics were really great down there. Um, that was the one thing that kind of that kind of struck me when I my first show was that um, they've just kind of you know they've kind of hold this little amphitheater out from a hill, but it really it 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 kept the sound really really well. I want to switch gears a little bit and let's go to uh, my favorite fair. And that would be the Adams County fair because they've had, and I, you know, we've talked about it. We actually had uh, one of our throwback. I don't think it was a throwback at, it was a video that we put on our Facebook page uh, because, you know, there's always been this rumor. Garth Brooks was at the, uh, was at the Adams County fair. We found the video that says Saturday night, Garth Brooks. I do remember, and I don't know if I brought this up or not. And I doc, I I'm guessing this would probably be somewhat close to your wheelhouse too. But my memory of when, when Garth Brooks was at the Adams County fair was that it stormed really bad that night. And what ended up happening was they couldn't put him on the stage at the grandstand so they moved him to the kwanzaa hut where they usually do the teen dances at and that's where he performed the concert do you remember that time frame at all 
I, I think that was right before I joined Kick. Okay. And in fact, that was the first time I was in country radio was at Kick in 96. I think that happened before that. I, what you're yeah. telling me sounds right. Yeah. Because I, I do recall that there were, until you just mentioned, I hadn't thought about it, but I think there was a storm associated with the Garth Brooks show. And this was right before he busted loose in a big way with Friends in Low Places, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think you're right, Travis. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing about Garth, and this also happened with Alabama, uh, but this is... This is going a little bit south, but Vandalia, as I recall, back in either the late 70s, early 80s, the fair down there had booked Alabama like a year ahead of time. And they exploded, of course. And I think that the fair thought that Alabama, because they always have these outs in the contracts where they, you know, it gives the band the ability to step away. Alabama honored it and went ahead and came anyway. And I think that that Garth may have been a similar situation where he was on the cusp of breaking big, probably could have passed. But just, you know, you got to admire the guy for saying, I'm going to go perform for these people. And that's happened before. I know down here at the Pike County, Missouri Fair, they've had some big guys lined up. And then, of course, they'll win something at like the Country Music Awards or something. And then yeah. the next thing you know, I actually um, Lady Antebellum, Lady A was uh was an option they were scheduled to come to the pike county missouri fair and then they had to opt out because of they hit it big with one of their songs so uh yeah but you know speaking of people that are hitting it big right before i didn't know this uh, doc until you said it but one of my favorite country artists of all time in brad paisley was at the adams county fair yeah i had to look this up because i had forgotten the year but i'm pretty sure it was 99 because his song, he didn't have to be because he, you know, he had, um, you know, he had a couple of hits at that point in time, and you, you, he was right at the point of his career where, you know, he's either going to be a one-hit wonder or he's going to suddenly start rattling off hits, and he was that second one. He ended up, you know, obviously yeah. becoming one of the greats. But Brad Paisley, I remember two <laughs> things about the Adams County Fair and Brad Paisley. First of all, what a talented and nice guy. At that time, we had the entire Kick staff, myself, Jewel Stout, uh, Dave Lee, Jeff Noel, we, we were all um, going to go on stage and bring out Brad Paisley, and the, and the lights were off. This is also kind of funny for people that aren't familiar with some of the weird spinal tap things that can happen to radio people. So the lights are off. I'm, I'm the morning guy, so they give me the microphone. So the lights all go down. And they're like, okay, you guys jump onto the stage, bring out Brad, and then jump off. So I took that literally. So the other three <laughs> staff members run out on the stage. They do what they're supposed to do. I jump out. And I noticed that whatever I jumped onto was teetering. So I didn't realize that I jumped on the front speaker of Brad Paisley's gear at the front of the stage. Oh, no. <laughs> and I nearly went into the crowd. And so I'm the lights come up. I'm acting like I meant to be there. most people don't realize that i almost dove into the laps of the people in the front row at the adams county fair that year so the other memory i have of that was after brad took the stage we just kind of hung around the side because we didn't have seats you know typical radio people you know just uh don't know where to go so we'll just sit on the side of the stage and watch so brad did an acapella version of amazing grace put his guitar down did acapella Amazing Grace, and I mean, it it gave me chills. And at that wow. that was the moment, Chris, that I knew this guy is the real deal because there's mm-hmm. no backing tapes. He his band wasn't supporting him. This man can really bring it. 
And um, and yeah, he he just exploded after that. You know, it's good when when there's no auto tune or anything like that involved in <laughs> in that stuff. Yeah. Uh, another one that you mentioned to me, and I didn't notice going back, to still talking about the Adams County Fair, uh, Kenny Chesney. Yeah, Kenny Chesney was here. I'm and again, I can't remember the year. It was either ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere in that time frame, ninety seven, maybe. I can't remember. But um, Kenny was relatively new, but he 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 I think was a little bit further along than Brad. When he came to town, I even think that she thinks my tractor sexy was out by that time. Mm-hmm. But we, we of course, like typical radio people, we we had backstage access that we gave away on the radio, and and you know got to take some listeners that, that won the contest backstage. And the interesting thing about Kenny Chesney is that, and you run into this a lot <laughs> before the artist will come out. The, the, depending, especially the more popular the artist, they seem to have handlers. That mm. kind of the road managers that uh, that'll come out and give you some warnings about all the things the artist is not going to do. <laughs> and so Brad Paisley at the Adams County Fair, I remember all of us in one of the tents that the, the, the fairground had set up for us. His handlers came out like, OK, Kenny's not going to talk because his vo- he's trying to preserve his voice for the performance and he's not going to shake hands. And it almost sounded like he was going to be boy in a bubble. You know, I'm like, well, what exactly if you're not going to come back and shake hands and talk? What? Why exactly yeah. are you coming back here? Right. So that ended up totally being not true. Uh, Kenny came came in a baseball hat. Very nice guy. He did. So, he, sp- he spoke softly, um, but he spoke to all the listeners, was really nice guy, signed all the autographs, took pictures. So that was an inter- that was an interesting thing where I had all these fears about what he was going to be like, and he ended up being, you know, a, a really nice guy. Now, before we get uh, wrapped up here, there's we, we have so many more. Uh, let's talk. Is there any of the other ones in the Quincy area that that stick out to you that you have a good memory of, or something a crazy story? Is there any of those that uh, stick out to you that we haven't talked about? Oh, crazy stories. Um, those are those are some of the best ones. Um, <laughs> I've, I've, I, as to do the fact that I've traveled the country, I've got some wild stories that weren't, uh, here that I can tell you <laughs> maybe when the lights are off. Um, but, uh, no, I remember the only story we, the only thing we haven't really talked about is Def Leppard at Quincy college. I wasn't at that show, but I've heard stories about what went down from my promoter friends because that was during the high and dry era that was during the area in the early eighties when KGRC used to do late night rock, uh, hmm. with Gene, long time personality in this area. Great lady. One of the, one of the people that taught me radio stuff. And I, I've, I've heard stories about Def Leppard and, um, their popularity with the ladies in Quincy when they came to town. Okay. So, and I, and I'm, I don't want to cross the sharing boundary, but, um, yeah, there were, there were, um, I heard about, you know, trips to doctors and stuff that as a result of that show, um, you know, that may or may not they, they have had something to do with infectious caught a cold, diseases. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably caught that's gotta probably be just it. A yeah, cold. yeah. 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 So, um, that was, that was a show I, I wanted to go to. My parents wouldn't let me cause I was too young to drive. And, uh, the cheap trick show was the consolation prize a few months later, but yeah, that's the one I would have liked to have gone to. And it turns out it, Probably was one of the wildest. I'm curious and talk. Help me figure this out. I, I, I'm curious of what these uh, the priests, the, you know, the teachers, because this is Quincy University that is at, right, right? Right. I'm curious. They're like, you know, some students like, let's bring in Death Leopard. They're a good, <laughs> good wholesome band, and, <laughs> and the priests are like, yeah, okay. Do, do they sing 
you know, religious songs? Yeah, sure. Um, and so then they come in and they're like, I can only imagine what these guys are thinking when this band comes in. And I, I'm going to guess that in today's world, that's not happening at Quincy University. <laughs> yeah, and wild British guys, right? Uh, you know, yeah. who, who uh, you know, who knows what they brought over from Europe with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I can imagine that scenario where you've got somebody on the the one of the student reps talking to the the, the college higher ups about, oh yeah, this these are this is a great uh, five piece choir uh <laughs> you know that they, they they do uh franciscan franciscan chants to high and dry that's right, that's right. Yeah, the monday morning meeting after the show must have really been something that'd be a fly on the wall at. Oh, man. that's awesome well hey doc we've had a blast here and uh, i think uh, we're going to have you back for the patreon episode because we got so much to talk yeah. about we're going to dig into a lot more cool stuff um, a lot more of your background in history but man we really appreciate you being here and uh, talking to us on wild quincy Oh, I'm a big fan of you guys, man. I, I uh, when I, I had I was I've told told Chris that uh, that I'm one of those closet people that I was was always telling everybody I, I they'll listen to what I have to say that they need to be checking out what you guys are doing. Well, and if I have my way, this is the, this is what uh, radio, frankly, needs to be become more like uh, because you guys are exploring some really interesting and off the beaten path type stuff. And I think that that's uh, that we need more of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm a cheerleader for you guys. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a, been a, been a privilege. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's been our honor to yes. have legendary, legendary <laughs> doc holiday <laughs> right. on here. So <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back with more wild Quincy after this. Are you ready for some of the hottest action you've seen in a long time? Well, strap it down and hold on tight. It's bull riding time. Come out to the Mark Twain Lake Bull Ride on September 1st and 2nd and take in each thrilling ride. Watch as some of the area's finest cowboys show you what they're really made of. They're big, brawny, masculine, and ready to kick butt. And those are just the bulls. The action begins nightly at 8 with 60 bull riders each night, rain or shine. Advanced tickets are 8 bucks. Children under 6 are free. Don't miss the ride. The Bull Ride. At the South Spillway area below Cannon Dam. Sponsored by Pepsi, Boyers, Pogato Center, Jeff Country 105, and WGEM-TV. For additional information, call 573-735-4220. Or check out their website at marktwainlakerodeo.org. Did somebody sound familiar in that commercial? You don't have a younger brother I haven't met, do you? <laughs> no. What are you trying to say? Is that the golden pipes of a, a green uh, crisk on the radio station? It would be. Good what guess. What time, time uh, frame was that? I missed it if there was a year there. No, there wasn't. So that was back uh, in my first radio job at WGEM. It was back in the year 2000. Okay. Oh, right and, in high school. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, actually, right after I yeah. graduated high school. That's right. Yep. yep. It was right after high school. And uh, uh, I, I should tell the story. We got a minute. I probably could tell yeah, the story real so. quick. 
So one, you know, I always liked the idea of being on radio, but it wasn't like I went to radio school or anything like that to to do it. Anyway, when I started my radio career, I was actually you know back in the day when you had Cardinal Baseball, there had to be a person that had to be in the studio to push the button to have the, the commercials run during the radio the games or during the baseball producer, games, if you will. Yeah, sure. Um, so anyway, when you got done with those, we uh, Gym Country was what it was at that time. We had to run what we called Make Goods at the end. And so the Make Good ads were ads that you missed during your uh, syndicated shows or whatever. So we'd run all these ads afterwards. I'd play a few songs in the middle. And I started getting a little, um, a little I don't know what the right word is, but all of a sudden I decided to, you know what, I'm going to get on the air and say something. <laughs> so... <laughs> I got on the air and um, what could possibly and, go wrong? Right, right. Uh, so you between songs like "Oh, here's Joe Diffie with John Deere Green on Jim Country 105," and you know, whatever. I, I didn't think anybody's listening. It's after a Cardinal game; nobody's right. listening anyway. Uh, but so a couple days go by. Actually, it was I don't know a couple months, I guess, later, and all of a sudden the radio remote list comes out for. Um, for the remotes for Jim Country for that year, and my name's on the list. So someone had the radio on when you th- were thinking they were sleeping on you, huh? Somebody did. Ah. So and I got to give a shout out. We've mentioned him a couple times on here. Jim Lawrence, I think he may have heard it. He was my boss at the time and decided to give this young guy a chance. So it turned into doing a bunch of remotes when I was 18 years old at Jim Country. It turned into doing producing the uh, WGM morning wow. show and on AM for a few years and uh, then doing, of course, some of those commercials. And that was the very first commercial in Travis. I don't know why I saved it, but I'm glad I did because, boy, I sound so squeaky back then. <laughs> you, you've you've deepened your, the voice has deepened you've come into your own with the the golden pipes yeah no it's it's fun to look back at things like that and realize wow we've gotten old <laughs> well and I, I was joking with you when I showed uh, had you listen to this commercial was that um back then even in 2000 what today's world is if you guys don't know when you're doing stuff like this we we can we can piece pieces together and so it makes you know editing so much easier in today's world back then you didn't have that capability so literally i was in one room uh, Chris Brenneman, who was the other voice on that uh, commercial, who was the uh, production or she did uh, promotional stuff for WGEM, she was in another room. We saw each other through a glass, but we were both recording. We had to record that straight. So that is recorded straight. That is not That's edited. incredible. Yeah, that, that's Pieced so in. rare these days. Yeah. Yeah. Now you don't have to worry no. about that stuff because you could just you could just put it all together. But back then you couldn't. You had to straight wow. shot it and get it all. And, and we took like it took us like three takes and we nailed it. So it worked out pretty good. But uh, yeah. Well, that uh, every time the spreading. Tyrannosaurus Rex walked by, you had to wait for that to stop <laughs> so you didn't get the background noise. Well, I gotta remind. We'll, we'll do some. We'll we'll do some horror stories. I'm sure we're gonna have Doc on for our Patreon episode right. coming up next week. So if you're not a wild thing and you love hearing Doc, become a Patreon member. You'll be able to hear uh, that conversation because Doc has. We we were we had a talk after we just got done yeah. talking with him. Yeah. We talked for like 45 minutes on horror stories from our radio days. Uh, so I'm sure that's going to continue when we get into He's Patreon. He's a, a very cool, cool cat. And I love what they're doing with the Eagle of of him oh, actually yeah. being in the studio for his shift. And like you can call you can mm-hmm. call the guy and he'll be there. That's incredible in this day and age. Yeah. So. It very much so. It's it's neat to get back to the basics and so shout out to shout out to the Eagle in general. Yeah. They've been really supportive oh, of us in, in what we've been doing. So that's been awesome too. All right. Well, 
on that note, Travis, I think it's time for our favorite golden pipes. Oh my gosh, is it time already, Chris? Let's let's hand it over to you know who. And now it's time for words of wisdom from Adams County. <laughs> it never. You're right, Travis. It never gets A fine. Old. Wine just ruminating, <laughs> wafting into my my up my auditorial senses. Yes. Thank you, Bo. So we reached out to the Facebook universe and we asked our favorite fans to give us some numbers to work with out of this great book called Folklore from Adams County, Illinois. And we got a great response, Travis. Boy, I, I stopped counting 20, 30. I don't, I don't know how. But yeah, it's been an amazing response. Thank you, everyone. And so we're going to use some of your guys' numbers as we go along, and uh, we're going to start almost at the top here with uh, entry by Wendy Warren. Yes, Wendy. We love Wendy. A lovely Patreon member as well. She chose uh, number 9,180. And Travis, you will not believe what section that is in. I am on the edge of my seat. What do we have to deal with here? So the the main area is hoodoo and witchcraft. Oh, I love me some of that. And the subsection that we're going to be referring to is methods of doing evil. Oh, shoot. There's instructions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we're going to jump to the back of the book here. Wendy, you picked a great number. Nice job, let's, Wendy. Let's see what it says. So here we go. Uh, 9,180. If you will take the head of a scorpion, lizard, and a snake and dry them, then make powder of it, you can hoodoo anyone with it. If you have got it in for someone and you want to hoodoo them, put some of this powder in your handkerchief, and when you are talking to them, just take your handkerchief out and shake it a little without them knowing it, and it will put a spell on them. Words of wisdom from Adams County. I'll be dang. That's something. Now, are there a lot of scorpions <laughs> around here? I don't know, but I mean, I'm sure that's a special order. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever encountered a scorpion in this area. No, no. I mean, in general, no. I'd be but, curious yeah. where these guys are getting their scorpions. Well, they're, ho- they're hoodoo supplier. I mean, who else? Yeah, you that's that true. From? You just go down to a Third and Broadway and... <laughs> What hoodoo do you do, which is a great store. They, they got all the goods, the chicken heads, the pig's livers. You call it. I mean, I miss that place. Yeah. Uh, so there it is, uh, our folklore, our wisdom, our wit from the forefathers and mothers that's of a good one. Adams County. That's, that a, is, that's a keeper. That's a keeper. When I saw that number, I, I mean, I didn't look at the, I didn't read it beforehand, but I, I, I looked at the section. I went, oh. Oh, yeah, now we're talking. Now we're getting into it. So if I'm ever around a listener and I whip out the handkerchief and I kind of give you a knowing (laughs) glance, just, you know, maybe go see a witch doctor and get some ointment just to be safe. That's right. That's right. So uh, thanks, uh, Wendy. And uh, by the way, that post is still up there. If you haven't had a chance to put your number in yet, you can do so as well. Speaking of things you can do, we also have our listener line available and travis i'm gonna put you on the spot do you remember that number i'm always ready chris it's 612-666-9453 that's 612-666-9453 it spells out wild if you're funky but these days this day and age i think less and less people are doing the number thing i but, I, I would hope they're doing the number that's how you know the letter somebody. thing sorry my my, oh, okay. <laughs> my brain went left and my mouth went right yeah no 
So we'd, we'd appreciate a return liner on there or just a general comment. If you have something to say about the show, feel free to. Um, we enjoy hearing your feedback in any way you want to provide it. Travis, it is time to get to the last piece of the puzzle, and that is the question of the day. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about this. I have my answer, but let's let's give it to him again. So the question is this. There are 23 townships in Adams County. Out of the following five, which one is not a township? Your options in alphabetical order are Ellington, Gilmer, Houston, McPhee, or Riverside. Travis, you want to take a guess? Houston, hands down. That is not a township that I have ever heard of. You would be incorrect. Oh, shoot. I'm wrong. Okay. Well, you want to take a guess? A backup guess? Uh, let's go with Riverside. You would be incorrect. Wait a minute. Do you want to take another guess? Wait a minute. <laughs> McKee and Ellington are township. Are you pulling a fast one on me, Chris Ketters? Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, we'll see. The system is rigged, folks. Yeah, so he was he was threatened by my amazing record of on this, and he was sabotaging the the records here. It looks like give, give me uh, so so. Here's what happened, people. I'm going to tell you what happened. Uh, Travis is not aware of this. When I gave you the question of the day in the first segment, I was I wrote this a few days beforehand, and I thought I put the fake one in there come to find out all five of them were actual ones that were actual townships i never replaced one with a fake one you dirty dog you i was like you know what let's let's just go with it we're just gonna go with it so no actually all those are townships all 23 you got ellington gilmore houston mckee and riverside you, you know there's a bunch of rap them. scallion okay i'll forgive you this one time <laughs> but why are we talking about townships exactly because we're going to be looking at a specific township coming up in our next episode and and, and not because of where where it's at or anything like that but because of what was found in that township and that is the Ellington township I thought and, you were going to say Mountain Dew. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Uh anyway, but they uh, there is a township called Ellington, and there's something even more special called the Ellington Stone. Ah. We're going to be talking about that coming up in the next episode of Wild Coins. That's a heck of a story. I look forward to chatting about that. I, I think we've we both heard a little bit here and there, and you might have as well, but we're going to do a deep dive and bring bring you up to speed on all that is the Ellington Stone next time. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. We want to give a shout out and a thanks once again to Doc Holiday for joining us here on Wild Quincy. We really enjoyed it. And I'm sure Travis, he is going to be back for another episode sometime down the road. I can't wait. He's been, a, he was an amazing guest and uh, can't wait to chat more with the, the Patreon episode coming up next week. Before we leave, are we missing anything? No, I think we've got our bases covered and uh, I'm ready to, to, I, I got nothing, Chris. I don't know. Let's close this out. I thought I had something. Sounds good. I'm still recovering after being duped. Yeah. <laughs> For Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Ketters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. <laughs>